0: Welcome back to another episode of Sharing Knowledge Series. I'm Kevin Vonderell, Chief Lending Officer at Westfield Bank and your host. Today we'll be having a roundtable discussion on the importance of taking full advantage of trusted advisors for your business throughout its life cycle. Please join us for this episode. Welcome to another episode of Sharing Knowledge Series. I'm your host, Kevin Vonderau, In today's topic, we're going to be talking about trusted advisors and their importance in the, in the role they provide to companies. We have two special guests with us here today. First, we have Nolan James, who is shareholder of Cabbage, Famillo, and Durkin. And Nolan, why don't you tell us about yourself and, and what you do at, at Cabbage?
1: Oh, great. Thank you, Kevin. Uh, so, I am a shareholder at Cabbage. Uh, I've been at the firm for about six years now. And uh, in my role at Cabbage, um, I focus on representing closely held businesses, um,
0: financial institutions, and uh, investors. And our next guest is Leslie Euler, who's a CPA with Zion Cynic Associates. Leslie, tell us a little about yourself and what you do at uh, Zion Cynic Associates.
2: Thank you. Um, I've been with Zion Cynic for about seven years. Um, my focus is on helping my small and mid-sized clients really grow their business and ultimately build their wealth. All
0: right, well thank you both for joining us here today. So we have two trusted advisors, and today we really wanna focus on what the role of a trusted advisor is, especially in a a business. And when you think of a a business life cycle, it's starting out with the startup phase, then goes into growth, and then transition. So tell us a little bit, we'll start with you, Nolan, on really how how can a trusted advisor help the company throughout those different phases? Sure,
1: Uh, so Kevin, I think, You know, there's a number of of different phases, as you indicated, of of businesses, and I think the role of a trusted advisor is critical at at each phase. Uh, We represent a number of individuals, uh, early stage companies, uh, and we are the first time that they've uh, engaged an attorney. Uh, So speaking from a legal professional's perspective, it is uh, incredibly important to have a trusted advisor to uh, review and discuss documents with you. Um, a lot of times uh, an individual or a business owner, this is the first time that they've seen a commercial contract uh, and they just want someone to look it over and they don't realize that uh, it's more than just looking things over. Sure. Every term in a contract is negotiable. Um, the other, other thing we see is just uh, choosing the right structure in which to uh, set up a company based on the business needs or the uh, goals of the founders, uh, so having a trusted advisor to help. Come up with a strategy uh, from a business perspective, and then document uh, that company strategy in such a way that the internal agreements make sense for uh, the founders and other people involved as well.
0: Okay, good. Thanks, Nolan. Leslie, what's your thoughts on trust advisors and and roles within companies?
2: Sure. Similarly, um, a lot of times the first time we interact with a client um, is based on compliance. It's the first time they have to file a tax return, and Oftentimes they don't really take advantage of all the other um, value-added services we can offer them. Um, It becomes an annual meeting where we're just filing a tax return for them. But the clients who really get the benefit out of us as a trusted advisor are the ones that we're working with on a quarterly or monthly basis. We're helping them really get accurate financials where they can use them for making management decisions. And the more that they grow, the more important those become um, and the better role we can help taking their business and growing it
0: okay great now when you think of trusted advisors, so we have an attorney and a cpa and, and there's others that you sh- that businesses should think about and, and include what are some other advisors that that companies should uh, look to incorporate in that i guess dream team so to say as you as you put uh individuals together
1: sure uh so certainly the bank yeah. right yeah I was um, hoping <laughs> to say that, so. certainly the bank well especially i would say not just especially with early stage companies but Um, It's good to have a relationship with with a bank and and to have um, a partner in a bank uh, at at various stages. Um, A lot of times an entrepreneur has an idea and knows that he or she may need to fund that idea, uh, but having a trusted uh, professional to help structure it to make sure that deal is bankable, right? Um, So having a, a banker on your team and having a bank. Uh, relationship is is certainly uh, important Um, and I would say just as important as the CPA and and the uh, attorney as well.
2: Sure, I would also add to that a financial advisor that you really trust. Um, So often when people are growing their business there's decisions to be made about um, their personal finances but also how much do I keep in the business versus how much do I pull out um, for my own financial needs. So a good financial advisor can really assist with that as well.
0: As far as putting the team together, is it important for the advisors to interact with each other um, as as part of that company's journey or or, or growth strategy?
2: Absolutely. Um, I know I have a number of clients that do an annual meeting where they bring their whole team together to do um, strategizing and um, even just planning for this today, Noel and I, so many things that we talked about where you know we're kind of counterpoints to each other, yeah. where I might be able to help a lot with planning financials and he's got a lot of expertise in contracts or um, business structure. And um, it's really kind of a great relationship if you have them interacting together. Sure,
1: I agree. I think it's um, in everyone's best interest to make sure that um, that, that you're intentional about bringing everyone together. Um, and then even if there's not much to talk about, you'll be surprised if you, you get all the trust advisors in the yeah. same room, what types of ideas come about that are ultimately in the best interest of that business owner.
0: No. Yeah. I think it's important to note that it, it's not a competitive situation, right? You're not competing against each other. We're in a, working together as a team just to help mm-hmm. that business succeed and become more successful in, into the future. Now, we talked a little bit about like when businesses are, are starting up and, and how advisors can help out with that. Maybe we talk about what are the different options companies have as far as selecting the type of structure. When we're
1: thinking about a structure for a business, it all depends on who's involved in the company, right? Is it Is it a single founder? Are there uh, a number of individuals that are involved? Um, How are they going to fund uh, initial operations and initial acquisitions? Um, What are some tax considerations that um, these owners or this business owner uh, may have uh, in mind? Um, Some of the easiest structures that we we like to use or the the, the most common structure we use when we're setting up a new company is an LLC. it offers a, a ton of uh, asset protection and it's the most flexible. Uh, we have the ability to convert it to a corporation down yep. the line if uh, uh, business needs should change. But uh, again, when we're, when we're choosing an entity, um, we want to make sure that whatever we choose is in line with the goals of that business owner um, and not only just selecting that entity but then all of the necessary company documents that support it. If it's an LLC that the operating agreement clearly spells out. Uh, the understanding of the parties involved, um, that we account for, Uh, what happens if things don't go as planned, if uh, there's an untimely death or a disability of one of the the partners, Um, what if there's discord amongst the the members. Um, We want to spell out all of those kind of um, contingency plans in in the company documents. So um, yeah, we we regularly um, assist companies in not only choosing Uh, an entity, Mm -hmm. uh, but also documenting the relationship between the parties uh, to help set them up for success for for a long time.
0: No, I think that's great. Leslie, is there anything you want to add to that?
2: Um, Yeah, it's absolutely important to get, especially with an attorney who has the expertise on doing that, um, it can be tricky down the road to make changes if you don't put the initial groundwork in well. um, And it's certainly something that we usually lean on our attorneys to assist with making these decisions. which once again brings you back to having that whole team on your side.
0: No, I think uh, one thing, at least from my experience, especially dealing with uh, with with clients, is one of the biggest mistakes they make is, is they don't bring all the parties together, mm-hmm. and especially when they're when they're forming the the company and starting out, and they may use maybe not the right trust advisor to set them up, and they don't have all the documents as you mentioned, Nolan, and then when they go to get financing or opening up accounts or, or doing certain transactions, it becomes more difficult because then they don't have them, they have to recreate them, and then there's more costs involved in it later down the road, especially mm-hmm. as it gets more complicated. We talk about growth. How can advisors, What I mean, what is their role? How do they help companies grow?
2: Um, so something that we do a lot of is, um, sometimes with clients who are growing, they have a competent internal accountant, but they don't have somebody who's more in that controller role, who helps them not just get accurate financials, but then also really use them for business decisions. Um, we have clients build profit centers or cost centers where they can really analyze where am I succeeding, where am I losing money, how can I improve this. We can run analytics that help them really understand their industry performance um, indicators. So when we're talking about accurate financials, you know, um, when I think about a startup, a lot of times they come to the idea of cash coming in being profitable but a lot of times that's not a good indicator of being profitable. Um, I'm thinking of an example of a client that builds heavy machinery, and they take a lot of cash in for deposits. And it looks profitable if you aren't really analyzing your financials in an accurate way, but when you actually run the financials, um, they were losing money month to month. They were living off their deposits, and that is not a sustainable business model. So it's really important to have somebody who can help you um, understand the information that you're being given and a lot of times in the middle, middle and small clients they don't have somebody in that role so we can assist with something like that to help them grow.
0: No, That's a, that's a great point. I think one of the things I, I run into and I say a lot with businesses is they have maybe some of they call a controller but it's, mm-hmm. they're more like a bookkeeper. They're, yes. they're, they're putting entries in and they don't have the expertise to be able to manage it and help with those forecasts and, mm-hmm. and, and even preparing those, those financial information. But I think it's key that they have a, a financial advisor like that that can come yeah. in and, and, and help. And a lot of times companies don't have that bandwidth or, or are able to sustain, sustain an employee full time in that type yes. of position where you can come in part time and, and help them mm-hmm. with that role um, yep. in, in developing growing that company. No, what, what, what about you?
1: Sure. In, in our world, uh, we often operate as a strategic business advisor, right? Um, beyond just the lawyer drafting documents, uh, we're an objective third party, uh, a sounding board to kind of help that business owner vet ideas and opportunities. Um, a lot of times, we have a seat at the table, again, with the other trusted advisors, mm-hmm. the, the accountant, uh, the bank. And you know we've been around enough of these transactions that uh, we can offer uh, very sage advice, so to speak. Uh, but yeah, just being that additional um, objective perspective for for clients is definitely something that that we can we can offer mm-hmm. and, and that we do offer on a regular basis.
0: One thing you you brought up earlier and really comes to mind is. Especially when a company's in a, in a growth phase, is, is putting together the the documentation that if something if, if there's an event mm-hmm. that something happens to one of the owners and maybe they pass away or or there's you know, like not all companies work or owners work well together. and there, there could be a breakup, and making sure that's that's written out and, and outlined ahead of time just makes that whole process that much easier because we run into that a lot of times, especially when when it's. It's smaller, family-owned companies. They don't have a lot of times, they don't have that succession plan in place or properly documented. And I think the other thing we didn't touch on is is financial advisors is the insurance piece, Mm -hmm. is a good insurance agent, bringing them into the fold too, because they can help develop those plans and reinforce them or even put uh, instruments behind them to help fund them um, in case of an untimely death or or something like that. Absolutely, so yeah, part of our uh, conversations that we have with
1: clients, you know. assessing the plan, looking at the documents obviously, but then as you mentioned, uh, working with other advisors, the insurance professionals, to make sure that there are financial backstops in place, mm-hmm. right? Uh, so if we have a key man policy, making sure that key man policy continues to be enforced, so looking at the policies and making sure that from a compliance perspective, premium payments continue to be made. Uh, and then also, also um, you know, looking at, looking back at, you know, the, that operating agreement that. Had a buy sell provision in it. Let's make sure that that buy sell provision or buy sell policy is properly funded as well. So there's a number of things that we're regularly looking at, not only just to uh, avoid risk, uh, but to be proactive to make sure that our our clients are set up for the future. Sure.
2: Another thing that we talk a lot about our clients with um, is having that team in place internally where you're almost trying to work yourself out of a job, you're trying to build up the people around you where if something were to happen and one day you aren't able to show up, that the business is ready to operate without you, you have the key people in place and also the documents in place, that um, it's a smooth transition and ultimately you're gonna be able to um, get the value out of the company for your family because a lot of a personal Wealth of a business owner is tied up in their business, and yeah, it's important to be able to get that out.
0: You know, as, as trusted advisors, what, what advice would you have for for companies out there that are looking to grow, especially during like these times, right? Like it looks like a recession is, 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 is happening or, or going to happen. Some cases, it, some people think that we already are in a recession, mm-hmm. but and either way, you, you slice it, um, there looks to be some challenging times that are, are going to be in front of us. So, what advice would you give for? A company that's looking to grow during these times. Absolutely. So,
1: um, I think the first thing is, you know, we, we can't avoid it. it. You know, this recession. It it is a dirty word, right? Yeah. Uh, we try to avoid saying it, but um, it, it's important to be prepared. Um, from a from a from a capital and finance perspective, uh, we are talking to clients and making sure that they've got access to capital to, you know, weather the storm, so to speak. Um, some of our clients aren't utilizing uh, lines of credit, which is, which is good if they're not needing to utilize them, but making sure that they have lines of credit in place, sort of like an insurance policy. Look, looking, using this as an opportunity uh, to get their house in order, their corporate house in order. A lot of our clients you know, spend a lot of time and resources uh, servicing you know, the bottom quarter of their customer base, and that takes a lot of their time and financial capital Uh, So advising them to kind of redeploy and reposition those assets to perhaps the top quarter, right? Um, Continuing to stay in front of uh, their client base, their customer base, and using it as an opportunity to uh, add value, gain new ideas, potentially uh, involve or improve rather uh, systems and processes. um, So that when we do either go through the recession or come out of the recession that. Uh, they are better positioned than some of their their peers and competitors. That's a good point. Leslie, anything you want to add?
2: Yeah, we've had similar conversations really over the past couple years, just it's been such an uncertain environment for a while now. Um, Supply chain shortages, we've been saying the same thing, focus on the top Uh, your best clients. Make sure that their needs are being met um, because you probably do not have all the materials, even if you have the capacity, to meet every single need of every single customer. So focus on the ones who are really great. Um, And as far as going into recession, we're encouraging people to just be conservative with cash and same thing, have access to capital. Even if you don't need it at this minute, have that availability. Um, It really allows you to take opportunity growth opportunity during a recession that others who don't have that access won't be able to so maybe there's employees who are on the market um, looking who wouldn't be in the past you can scoop them up maybe there's inventory right now that you can buy at a discount or that building you've been thinking about building um, you can do it for cheaper because there's more um, availability out there in the marketplace so if you have that cash and the access to capital you can really take advantage of it and the recession could actually help grow your business and come stronger out of it.
0: No, that's a good point. You know, I I go back and I think about the last, the Great Recession, right? And and it's hard to believe. If you go back, it's about 15 years ago, 14, 15 years ago. And I think some of the challenges, and and one of the things a lot of business owners that I talked to back then learned from that is they didn't react quick enough or Mm -hmm. soon enough, and it it was hard, and it makes some hard decisions. And when you're a small business, um, a lot of times your employees are like family and, and it's hard to make some of those, those tough calls and, and you're mentioning an opportunity to maybe to clean house or, or get your house in order, I mm-hmm. think is, is, is the way you said it. And, and I, I think that's, that's key is, is having those plans in place. Um, the other thing that I think about is you know, like those business owners went through a very valuable lesson and learned a lot during that time but a lot of them are, have sold or transitioned, and we mm-hmm. have new business owners or, or people in new roles that maybe don't have that experience. And, and I think it's key now that they're talking to their financial advisors and making sure they have plans in place, and then you know, like, not only for the, the capital and liquidity, but also contingencies, right? Yeah. If, if, if their things aren't working out, what are those tough decisions that you have to make? And I think planning ahead of time just makes it that much easier because the more reactive you make it or, or more you know, like action you have to take later on, the harder it's gonna be exactly. and, 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 and the deeper the, the, the cuts are gonna be from that standpoint. How can companies leverage technology to help them grow? Sure. I, I know it's not gonna be the same for everybody, but maybe some. some yeah.
2: Um, For us, I I would say a lot of companies, when they start out, um, they're starting out with like a QuickBooks, a very basic operating system. Um, And the more that they grow, a lot of times they need industry-specific or unique softwares um, that can help automate processes. I'm thinking about a client that I have that we recently put in a new ERP system. They were doing inventory manually, monthly, and it worked when they were small. But as they got bigger, they weren't able to get good um, job costing they weren't able to get accurate live time financials and inventory numbers. And those are the kind of things that, yes, it's a big um, financial investment and a big learning curve to implement a huge new system like that. But um, the automation and the more accurate reporting and um, really they can make better business decisions on a live basis now that they've implemented it. But um, that's something that as you grow, those sort of processes need to grow with you.
1: Yeah, I think, um, you know, certainly with, with growth, um, investing in, in CRMs and, and other uh, things that are going to help clients and, and companies stay in front of their, uh, their customers, right, yeah. um, you know, whether it's, it's um, you know, a document management system uh, or just other, other tools um, to just help make business processes more efficient um, are, are certainly things that, you know, clients and, and companies should consider.
0: Yeah, it's always about how much, you, how much you can do with less, almost, Absolutely. or Absolutely. the more efficient you can, you can become, um, the better off that the, the company is. Now, as you look at the, the last part of, of the company from a life cycle, that transition piece, how important is it for trust advisors to be part of that, that transition, if, if someone's looking to whether exit a company or sell a company or, or even planning on, on retiring in, in the next few years? I mean, what is the role of a trusted advisor in in helping a company transition? So I think it's an it's an extremely important role,
1: um, you know, and and you can't um, engage too soon, right? right? It's impossible to engage too soon in that process.
0: It's it, it's almost you might say it's almost more important to do to engage them more in earlier on in the transition than mm-hmm. it is any other part of that life cycle.
1: Absolutely, um, what we have found is that a lot of times when our clients, and, and again, closely held businesses, family owned companies, um, you know, the, the business owner uh, underestimates uh, or, or, or overestimates ra- rather uh, how much gas they've got left in the tank and, and how much uh, willingness they have to uh, continue to see this thing uh, through the course. Um, and, and, you know, a lot of times they're so focused on Uh, working in the business and solving business problems that they're not really investing time or or mental capacity in transition planning. Um, So I I tell clients that they should think about this process, preparing their business for sale, uh, the same way that they should think about preparing their home for sale, right? Um, Staging your home is is very similar to staging a business, right? You want to make sure that the uh, company records are in order. Both the financials are in order as well. Um, that your facilities are in order and ready for uh, prospective purchasers to potentially tour. Sure. Um, you want to make sure, from a personnel perspective, that um, you know you have a business that is an attractive is attractive as a going concern to a prospective purchaser if you're preparing the business for sale. Uh, and then the other thing that when I was saying they were underestimating. Uh, they underestimate how long the process could take, yeah. right? Um, not only identifying a prospective purchaser or a series of prospective purchasers, but ultimately getting that identification process to the closing of the sale of a business. So uh, there are a lot of moving parts and, and we see a lot of um, prospective purchasers of businesses, they want um, a business owner to stay on board for a period of time too. So. Um, if a business owner is thinking that they're ready to retire within the next one to two years, um, you know we would have hoped that they would have engaged their tr- trusted advisors maybe three to five years no. ago, right in an ideal world. but that's not to say that uh, you know, we still can't successfully help them exit or transition, but uh, the more time you
0: have the better. Certainly. No, that's great. Leslie, anything you want to add onto that?
2: Sure. Um, yeah, the similar idea in that so many people underestimate, how many years they have left in the business. I mean, in order to grow a successful business, you've put an enormous amount of years and energy and your life into this company. And um, a lot of times they don't think about how they're going to exit it. Um, So it's absolutely important conversations we need to bring up and sometimes force. Um, A lot of people seem to think that they're gonna come along and get like the godfather offer, you know, the offer you can't refuse. Um, And it doesn't always work that simple and rarely does it work that simple. Um, There's time and effort that goes into getting a business ready to transition and get the best value out of it for that owner.
0: I want to add on to that the best value is when you mentioned that because it reminded me, Nolan, you said a lot of times the business owner is working in the business mm-hmm. You're focusing so much time in the business that's not on the business. Yeah. And Leslie, maybe you can reinforce, I mean, how much more value that is to a company if if they're able to improve their their bottom line from a, from a sales perspective, it, it's multiples. I mean, it improves
2: absolutely. It. Yeah, when you're talking about business valuations, um, going through and planning and making sure your financials for several years prior to transition are in great shape, cleaning them up from um, just getting them in good order from. gap perspective but also um, cutting anything extra that doesn't need to be there Um, making sure your sales numbers you're hitting them get the best value out for the past the last few years so that you can really have a strong valuation because it will make a huge difference whenever you go to transition
0: especially if they get the godfather offer yes yes that (laughs) that much larger one other thing i see a lot of business owners make the mistake is they don't realize how much of that value of that business is based on them being there? They, mm-hmm. they are the business and without them in the business, uh, the value goes away because they have yeah. the connections. I mean, they're, they're so entrenched in that business, they're, they're, a lot of times they are the sales yeah. force. Um, they're, they're wearing many different hats and if, they're not, if, if they go to transition, um, what advice do you have for, for owners like that to, to make that transition more successful or, or smoother?
2: cross-training early on, um, building your team up around you. I think a lot of people have it in their head that nobody can do it better than me. Exactly. Um, But in reality, if you have a strong team and you surround yourself with those people, um, they're gonna be able to learn from you and they're going to be able to take their own talents and apply them in a way that maybe you wouldn't have thought of. And you're going to be stronger for it as a business while you are in that business. And it's going to allow you to be more valuable as a business when you look to transition, because you're no longer a one-man operation who leads. You have a whole team of competent people, and that's where the value is.
1: Yeah, Nolan, anything you Kind want? of just um, adding on to that, just empowering your team, right, mm-hmm. empowering yeah. them to foster leadership uh, from the bottom up, frankly. Uh, and providing opportunities for uh, growth uh, for everyone on your team I think um, you know once the the key man or woman is ready to transition out if she's if he or she is transitioning um, out of and away from a strong team of emerging leaders who are going to continue the business as a as a going concern to another
0: uh, purchaser uh, that's something that's incredibly valuable so I'm going to ask you each a, a question, and uh, just looking at your history, if like, what is one of the biggest mistakes you've seen one of your clients um, do is, is not having following this trusted advisor process or putting a good team together that if they would have done that earlier or, or different, it would have made a huge impact to the company. You have any examples on that, or or, or what are the big some of the biggest mistakes you you see made? Relationships are everything, right? Yeah.
1: We have seen um, individuals and companies um, outgrow their relationships with their trusted advisors, but not distance themselves from those relationships. Um, And it is tough, right? Uh, If if your attorney is your uh, bowling buddy, uh, it's it's hard to distance yourself from that person. Uh, But that person may not be best equipped to guide you and your business, uh, through a, a stage of tremendous growth. Uh, so being willing to, uh, face those tough questions, sure. um, and, and make those tough decisions and have tough conversations is, is definitely something that, uh, we we've seen, um, some businesses struggle with, yeah. uh, over time and, and it has, uh, impeded their growth. Uh, so, so yeah, being able to set relationships aside and know what's in the best interest of the business is certainly something that um, you know we,
0: we hope that uh, clients continue to do. No, it's, that's a, a very good point. Leslie, anything you want to add?
2: I'm thinking along a similar line. Um, we have so many businesses that are almost run as a hobby um, that the business owner is passionate about what they do and honestly the company could be more successful if they were able to step back and separate that passion from the bottom line of the business and the opportunity for growth. Um, Whether it's taking on product lines that aren't necessarily profitable, but it's something they enjoy doing, maintaining relationships with customers that um, don't really have growth opportunity. Um, There's a lot of times when it's hard to separate that personal from business, but if you're looking to grow as a company it's important to make those hard decisions even if it's not something that you necessarily want to do.
0: And that comes to to like the the one example you said earlier uh, where companies they don't know if they're making money because they see Mm -hmm. cash coming in and sometimes you look at good relationships that maybe they're not profitable relationships Mm -hmm. they might be like a good friend relationship, but is it really a good business relationship? Mm -hmm. And a lot of times it takes that trusted advisor to come in to look at that and give that advice and and challenge business owners um, on that. I know some of the most successful relationships I've been part of um, as far as businesses is, is when they have those teams together and you get together with them and you meet with their trusted advisors and you have meetings because just the meetings are, are, are flow more, there's there's better information that's shared and you just feel like you, you have more confidence in, mm-hmm. in the performance of the company because there is that reliance on on those trusted advisors to provide that expertise that no one business, business owner is, is going to have. Mm-hmm. So. Well, we covered a, a lot of uh, topics today. And I, I want to thank you both for, for joining thank me you. here for our sharing knowledge series and thank really you. focusing on, on trusted advisors. So one thing we always ask our guests is, is what's on their watch list, something that's top of mind that they think it's important and maybe it's related to one of your industries or just something top of mind that you think would be interesting for our viewers to, to hear about. All right, Leslie, we'll start with you. What's, what's on your watch list?
2: Um, There is a new tax credit for Ohio pass-through that can be extremely advantageous to certain business owners. Um, It's something that our clients were looking at for each one of them individually. Um, There's a lot of changes going on right now with R&D tax credits, so if you are somebody who takes advantage of that, um, there's conversations to be had there. And then from the financial standpoint, we've got a new lease standard, which has been driving all our clients crazy. Yes. <laughs> um, so that's been a really implementing that and working with your accountant on how that's going to change your financials, as well as all your compliance uh, requirements for the bank and covenant. Okay,
0: so. great.
1: Thank you. Mm-hmm. Nolan, what's on your watch list? We're getting a lot of questions, rather, on uh, Ohio's new LLC act, essentially. Uh, it's providing business owners with a lot more flexibility to Draft into their agreements specifically how they want their businesses to be run, uh, and I think frankly it's going to make Ohio uh, the preferred state for uh, choice of entity, choice of law. Uh, so we're seeing a lot of changes there and a lot of questions in
0: that regard as well. Well, thank you both again for joining me today. Thank our you. Pleasure, our pleasure. Thank you very much. Sharing knowledge is brought to you by Westfield Bank, hosted by Kevin Vondro, Chief Lending Officer, from the imagination and creativity of Chris Van Osdale. Erica Bailey, Suzanne Favre, Corinne Wilson, Kartika Caffey, the marketing and communications strategist at Westfield Bank. Produced, edited, and mixed by Shark and Minnow. Learn more at westfield-bank.com forward slash SKS. Sharing knowledge and shedding light on the financial industry to empower financial freedom.
2: The Sharing Knowledge series of videos, podcast episodes, ...articles are for informational purposes only and is not intended to serve as legal, tax, financial investment, accounting, or regulatory advice. Opinions expressed in third-party information shared herein do not reflect the opinions of Westfield Bank, Westfield Group, or any of its subsidiaries or affiliates. The information shared does not constitute nor is intended as an offer or solicitation for the purchase or sale of any product or service. Testimonials may not be representative of the experience of other customers and are not guarantees of future performance or success. Bank products and services provided by Westfield Bank, member FDIC, an equal opportunity lender.